Hi, this is Pastor Tamara Kraft from Revival Fire for Kids with an Ignite Kidman podcast. If you want your students to experience revival and the glory of God and become radical followers of Jesus, this is the podcast for you. Join us today as we start the journey, and I'll let you in on my story and experiences in Kidman. Hold on tight. You never know what the Holy Spirit is planning. Hi, this is Tamara Craft. For the next few weeks, I'm going to share excerpts of a podcast I interview I did with my publishing company about my curriculum, Building Pentecostal Foundations. Today, I'm going to be talking about building a place for God's glory. If you would like to get 20% off this curriculum, you may purchase it until the end of the year using the code BUILDING, B-U-I-L-D-I-N-G, all caps. Welcome back to Books on the Ridge, where we're discussing children's church curriculum. I'm Michelle Levine. And I'm Tamara Lynn Craft. And we are the owners, proprietors, guilty parties here at Mount Zion Ridge Press. This is the third podcast discussing Revival Fire for Kids uh, curriculum created by Tamara. Today's uh, curriculum is Building a Place for God's Glory. So let's dive right in. Tell us about Building a Place for God's Glory children's church curriculum. The heart of this comes from a sermon I heard a while back. I mean, many years ago, it was uh, by Doug Small and he was teaching about the tabernacle of Moses. He was teaching how each piece of furniture in the tabernacle represents Jesus and how, if we follow the symbolism for the tabernacle furniture, we will experience the glory of God where the Ark of the Covenant sits. So the furniture was the brazen altar, which represents salvation, the golden laver, sanctification, the table of showbread, which represents the word of God, uh, the table of incense, which represents prayer and worship, the uh, candlesticks, which represents the Holy Spirit, and then the veil, which represents spiritual warfare. And then... uh, Finally, the Ark, the Covenant, which represents the glory of God. And when he made it so simple, teaching about that furniture, I knew I wanted to write a curriculum about that and teach it to the children. Yeah, you think about it. That's that's the part of um, the Bible that a lot of people might gloss over when they're doing their daily Bible reading and how can you have a devotion about, you know, instructions, make it this wide and this deep and this kind of, and cover it with gold and do that. I'm sorry. I skip over those parts. I kind of gloss over them when I'm, (laughs) you know, reading through the Bible in a year. It's like, okay, those are the easy parts, but the details do matter. I mean, why would they be in the Bible if they didn't matter? Exactly. They are so important. You got to admit, it seems a little, a little deep talking about the tabernacle of Moses entering God's glory when you're dealing with children, what, as, as young as five, six years old. 
I know we've discussed in previous podcasts, you know, people saying, oh, kids can't understand this, but the pieces and parts and how everything comes together to create the tabernacle. It's cool seeing, seeing a scale model that might be a, a cool project to do in Sunday school, but what are the implications? What do children get out of this? Can they understand it? Oh, absolutely. If you're just telling them the measurements and all of this stuff, then they will gloss over too. But if you're telling them what each of these pieces of furniture represent in their spiritual lives, then it comes alive. It's so important. Well, how about some examples about teaching the children about the glory of God? All right. I have a great one. The glory of God, which the Hebrew word for it is kabod, one of the Hebrew words for it. And kabod means heaviness. So it's describing the glory of God as the heaviness of God. So one thing I will do is I will get out a quilt that my grandmother made. And my mom wrapped me up in when she took me to the babysitters when I was a little girl. And I would talk about how that quilt was laid over me. And it was so heavy on me and so comforting. And that it would be wrapped around me. And sometimes I would pretend like I was asleep because I was just enjoying the warmth and the heaviness of that quilt covering me. And it felt so safe and so comforting. And how my mom would carry me out with that quilt, that blanket. And how the word kabod is sometimes used for the glory of God. And it means heaviness. And it's like the heaviness of God comes over you, the glory or the heaviness of God, and that it's not anything bad. It's comforting and safe and warm and loving, just like that quilt that was over me when I was a child. And when I explain it that way, the children get it. Absolutely. So what are your experiences with children when you've been teaching this curriculum? What experiences have children had actually entering the glory of God in this way with this explanation? Oh, it's just amazing. First of all, I taught it before I ever wrote it. (laughs) So (laughs) there's that. So I've taught it many, many times. And this revolutionizes a children's ministry when you teach the kids how to enter God's glory. It is just absolutely amazing the anointing on this curriculum or this teaching. And I'm not saying my words, but the actual teaching of this. I have experienced children crying out before God. I have experienced children so overcome by the glory and presence of God that they were on the floor for hours or that they, they were praying for hours or worshiping for hours. I remember I was in one church and I was doing children's ministry and the pastor's wife was in another room and she, she was concerned because I was playing worship music for over an hour. And she's like, these kids don't have the attention span for that. So she walked into the room and the children were all over the floor worshiping all of them. 
tears in their eyes, just worshiping. And she said, oh, and walked back out. <laughs> so those, <laughs> those are kind of things that I've experienced teaching this curriculum. So have you had any negative reactions from church leadership or parents when you get the children this deeply involved? Actually, not from the parents, more from the church leadership. I don't know. It, for one thing, children change when they go through this kind of experience. They become more intimate with God. And sometimes that makes the adult church leadership uncomfortable especially when the children seem to have a deeper relationship with God than the adults do. <laughs> uh, jealousy. <laughs> yes. I have had quite a bit of uh, pushback, usually from uh, church leadership, unfortunately. Some of it very nasty. And so uh, that's just the way it is, you know, I guess. It's sad. Yes, it is. Well, if you're not getting attacked, then you're not doing it right. That's right. <laughs> you did. We've discussed in the previous podcasts how long it took to write the curriculum. So you had already said that you taught it before you wrote it. Yes. So you've been working on this for years before you finally put it down into to written form. Yes. So when I actually sat down and wrote it, it only took a couple of months but I had all the notes from teaching it over and over and over again throughout the years. So it was pretty easy to write once I finally got to that place. Refining it down. Yes. <laughs> what works and what doesn't. And absolutely. Okay. So I'm going to assume that there are downloadable resources that go with this curriculum as well, just like everything else. Oh, absolutely. And like I said, the family devotion papers that you can copy and give to your students to take home for the families to do devotions with, which in this curriculum in particular, I think these family devotional sheets are vital because it's hard to understand what's going on unless the parents are involved with what exactly their children are being taught. And when they go through this family devotion with the children, then it comes alive in their lives as well. And they understand it better. Also video clips, uh, media resources, JPEGs, all of that stuff. We have a countdown. So that's a rather acute countdown with people building a house. Countdown to what exactly? Oh, <laughs> Our <laughs> We have countdowns for some of our curriculum, not all of it, but what a countdown is, it's like a five minute countdown and all these images come on the screen. It's like a video oh, okay. images to keep the kids occupied. And as soon as the countdown's over, you say, welcome to whatever the name of your children's church is. Yeah. And the kid, it really helps helps the discipline problems basically at the beginning of children's church because they know they have till the countdown ends to be in their seat ready to start they will go to the restroom they will take care of whatever they need to take care of they will talk to their friends and as soon as the countdown gets to 30 seconds they start scrambling to make sure they're in their seats and i don't even have to say a word 
That's great. Countdowns are really a wonderful thing. Okay. In our last podcast, we talked about your Kidmin podcast. So to expand on this, you, you say you're available for children's ministry consultations and teaching training. Is this outside of the podcast or do they have to be a subscriber, supporter of the podcast to get this uh, consultation and training as well? Well, the consultation and the teacher training works a little differently. I go to their church for teacher okay. training. It's a one day thing. They, they have all their children's minister ministry team there. And we, we do a teacher training an all day teacher training where I teach them how to have a spirit filled children's ministry. And I do a teaching by the way, based on the tabernacle Moses. So one of my hour long segments is that teaching how to have a children's ministry where kids enter the glory of God. And I go through the tabernacle of Moses and use it as a pattern for having a children's ministry. So that's a really great teaching that goes along with this curriculum too. But I teach on a lot of other things, uh, discipline, uh, storytelling, object lessons, you know, the whole gambit of things. I'm an expert puppeteer and I also do gospel illusions so I can teach on doing those things, the how-to things, but I also teach the principles behind it. But a consultation is different than that. If you want a children's ministry consultation, basically I come to your church for two to three weeks and it's like intense coaching. First, I will go around your church. I will listen to all the classes. I will check your resources. I will check your safety procedures. I will check all your rooms, the nursery, everything. I will find out what's going on in your church. If you don't want me checking all the little nooks and crannies, you better not have me there for a children's ministry consultation. Uh-huh. <laughs> you get me for teacher training, but not a children's ministry consultation. When I'm done, first of all, I will do a children's church service with the children's pastor involved in the service. So they have an idea of how to do a children's service in a way that leads kids into the presence of God. But I will also have a complete evaluation for their children's ministry in a printed report. And depending on how many things I need to cover, that report can be anywhere from five to, let me think, the longest one was 57 pages. <laughs> Ouch. That sounds like a lot of repairs that need to be made. Well, it's not just nitpicking. This needs fixed. That needs fixed. There's a lot of that in there, but it's also a plan of action to bring your children's ministry where you always wanted it to be. For instance, I might have a plan of action to do outreach or a plan of action to draw more kids in, things like that. So that is included in the evaluation. It's not all everything you've ever done wrong. <laughs> but we do cover things like in the preschool room, there's no wall plate on the plug and kids could be electrocuted. Or in the nursery, there's cans of paint in the cupboard with no safety latch. Ooh, that could be things dangerous. Like, things like that. But the funny thing is, little things like that, everybody knows it's bad. 
but they have had it that way for so long that they are blind to it. They don't even think about it anymore. And so sometimes they need someone else to come in and see those little things for them. And like, oh, that's right. I planned to fix that five years ago and never did. And I forgot about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Sad, but true. Yeah. It's just like with writing, you need a fresh set of eyes to find mistakes that you've been glossing over because you've looked at the book 20 times. Exactly. It's that kind of thing. Fresh eyes. And so I also give them a free digital church ministry handbook that tells all of the policies like CDC policies for changing diapers and, and things that kids should learn at each age and things like that. I will have planning sessions with the children's pastor and the pastor, if the pastor is interested, for goal and vision statements for the children's ministry. I will have problem solving sessions with them, help them plan their calendar and their programs. I will do a teacher train, a teacher and worker training session for their whole children's ministry team. I will give them strategies to get where they want to be. I also give them when they want to do a children's ministry consultation, because it is pricey. I will give them one quarter of free curriculum and some resources and a one year subscription for Ignite, a church membership for Ignite. So that's some of the pluses they get for having a children's ministry consultation. Also, any other organizational help they need as well. That sounds like an awful lot. Yes, it is yeah. pricey, but for churches that are ready for it, it's well worth the money. Yeah. And the kids are the most important resource in our churches today. Absolutely. And I will go to, uh, like I've said before, I am a Pentecostal children's, pa- children's leader, but I will go to churches that are not Pentecostal and that they have my guarantee that I will respect the house I'm in. That's important. Yes. Nothing worse than bringing in an outside teacher and being afraid that they're going to uh, start doing something crazy, that the little old ladies in the left-hand corner are going to have heart attacks and fall (laughs) over if they find out. (laughs) I will be as Pentecostal or as non-Pentecostal during these sessions as they need me to be. But I will preach the truth, of course, that God's word is God's word, that Jesus is the only way to salvation, all of that. Great. If anyone wants to find another way to salvation there, I'm probably not a good fit. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been great. I mean, I I edited, read through a lot of the curriculum, uh, formatting Uh it to, to get it ready for publication, but I'm learning an awful lot about everything behind the scenes of this curriculum. So this has been a lot of fun for me. I hope our uh, listeners are enjoying this and getting fired up and thinking, okay, how can I talk my church into getting this curriculum too? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So, So I think this is probably a good stopping place for the end of episode three. So we've got one more episode left. Uh, The topic is power tools. Oh, that's what sounds like kind of cool, kind of fun, something to get in trouble. 
I've got visions of Tim Allen in my head right now. (laughs) (laughs) So we hope everybody comes back next week's episode, dealing with the Power Tools Church Curriculum. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this Ignite Kidman podcast, subscribe and click the bell or notification button. If you would like more resources and curriculum for your children's ministry, or would like to schedule an event, check out RevivalFireForKids.com. Consider becoming a patron and receive monthly Zoom calls, online support, and children's ministry resources at RevivalFireForKids.com slash Ignite. Until next time.